Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Sunday in this house. Thank you, Lord, for your good spirit. Amen. Thank you for making it out on this rainy Wednesday evening. Amen. You've already been rewarded, but I believe God will reward us more. In the book of 1 Timothy, I'm going to ask you to join me. I'm going to read one verse, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. What a privilege to be in church. What a privilege to be in church. The book of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. Paul speaking to young Timothy, his protege in the gospel. And he said, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. And then, and then Paul pauses here to some degree and explains and defines The house of God. The house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And so that's what the house of God is. It is is the pillar. It is the church of the living God, and it is the pillar and the ground of truth. And so tonight, with the help of the Lord, I want to just talk about the body of Christ. Amen. The body of Christ. And so let's just ask God, I know we've prayed, but I just want his spirit to have his way here tonight. Amen. Lord, I love you this evening, and I'm just asking you now to touch us tonight. Your word is a holy anointed flame of fire, and if it would just reach down tonight and set a fire in our heart and our soul to remind us of the power, the privilege, and the opportunity that being a part of the body of Christ affords each and every one of us. I'm just thankful to you today, God, and I love you and appreciate you so much. Amen, amen. And you can be seated, and um, let's make a little journey here tonight together. Many in our day propose that we are living in a a post-Christian age. If by that they mean that we live in an age where there is an absence of a common Christian consensus I would sadly have to say they are more and more accurate. At one time in America, there was a common understanding and a common ground, and I think even a common agreement of basic Christian teaching. Because America, after all, was founded on Christian principles. And so no matter what the sign over the door, there was some, there was some common ground um, common threads throughout, I think, most Christian bodies. For instance, Christians agreed that it, as a body, as a whole, that it was wrong to cheat and to steal and to lie. Well, just a 
it was just a common thread, and and that was to be found in in a, in all Christian communities. They agreed it was wrong to live together without being married. When I was growing up, when some of you were growing up, they called that shacking up. Why well, they just shacking up? And it was said with a sense of shame because there was a sense of shame. And so that was, that was, it wasn't just the Pentecostals that were saying that. It wasn't just the Presbyterians that were saying that. It was just a common ground, a common thread. And uh, you could stop an absolute stranger on the street and ask them what that term meant, and they could tell you. Whether they darkened the house of the ch- uh, church house door or not, they understood that. And so there was a, so there was that common thread. So uh, wherever you may find yourself in the debate of, of uh, post-Christian age, one thing is clear. We are living in an hour of gross spiritual ignorance. And this ignorance may come from many sources, and I've talked about a little bit of this before. It could be in due, due in part uh, to the lack of teaching on the side of the church. So we could have to slice off a little bit of this error and accept it ourselves. And it could also be in, due in part to an increasing religious diversity in our, in our society, in our culture. And I'm sure there, the list could go on and on. But whatever the case, we can't assume that people know what we are talking about when we use common, maybe common to us, Christian vernacular. We can no longer just assume that people know what we're, we're talking about. We live in a very different hour Amen. We're living in a very different hour. I think it's true concerning the church that that we have to have an understanding of the church or the body of Christ. And that understanding of what the church is about or what the body of Christ represents is at a risk of being lost in the world in which we live. As a matter of fact, I believe that, that it... That an understanding of what the church is about or what the body of Christ is about is at risk of being lost within the church itself. I shared this with you a few years ago when my wife and I were at General Conference um, in one of the conferences in St. Louis. And on the last night, Brother Bernard, our, our general sitting general superintendent, was speaking that night and he shared an experience of where he was invited, he never called any names, and I can appreciate that, but he was invited to speak to a major Christian organization's leadership on the subject of holiness. Now, he was very clear to state that, that this organization did not define holiness as an apostolic church may define holiness, but their leadership felt it necessary to bring him in to speak because they were having to do something. It was an emergency effort to do something to curb the lack of holiness within the ranks of their own church and organization leadership. Many of their top leaders no longer even believed that marriage was essential. In a Christian community church. And so you have not just pastors, but you have main leaders of organizations that didn't even feel that there was anything wrong with just a man and woman living together and playing house. Amen. Is, is this too much on Wednesday night? And so my point is, is that we can't just say that this is we're at a risk of 
of these principles being lost to the world because we're at a risk of this being lost to the church. And so I don't want anybody to sit here and fold their hands and think, well, that poor old group of people that Brother Bernard's talking about. But you see, we could not be very far removed from that very same thing ourselves. No matter how much you feel in opposition to what I just said, we don't ever know what the next generation is going to think. Because I can promise you that that it's going to be all where you're getting your information from and your direction. So the moorings of common scriptural teaching is being torn loose. And so I say pray for the body of Christ. Pray for the church. Our society is filled with, I think, many great, meaningful organizations. I say it all the time, not just here, but I'm just so thankful to be an American. I'm thankful for America. And I'm, I, we have a lot of problems and a lot of ills, and there's a lot of things we don't get right. But when we think about uh, many things that are just brought to us that people in other, in other portions or parts of the world have no access to, um, my Lord, I'm thankful for the, the hour that we live, and I'm thankful for the, the, the nation that we live in. And so our society is filled with a lot of great organizations. And if you've had the opportunity uh, to ever need some of those extensions and arms, you understand the value of what I may be referring to. Civic organizations, social club and, and, and clubs, they're all over. They dot the landscape of our nation. And unfortunately, many people see the church as just another such organization. The church is like many other clubs that are around and and it, the only difference perhaps is that it's engaged in benevolent works but we just kind of put a, an emphasis on spiritual matters and that's just how deluded some people see the the arm or the extension of the church and so in this view the church is just seen primarily as organizational in nature and so today it's not uncommon to hear people refer to um being many times in opposition to organized religion. You can see that a lot, hear that a lot in the world, see that a lot on, on social media uh, where people are opposed to organized religion. And, uh, but, but because too much and too many times the church is just not seen as relevant. Amen. People therefore believe that because it's not relevant that we can just opt in or opt out. And that's why places of entertainment are filled to capacity and church pews are empty. This, what I'm talking about tonight is not just a minor problem. This is not just a little scratch on the surface that we can probably heal with a little ointment. This is an epidemic problem. And can I tell you, it's not an apostolic problem. I mean, this is a problem with church in America. Amen. It is a very, very serious thing. A very serious thing. And so... Uh, in our text this evening, it indicates that the church is far more than just simply a civil club, a social club, and it's far more than just an organization. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, instructing Timothy how a person ought to conduct themselves in relation to the church. I don't think Paul was just talking about how to behave yourself. Sit down and don't make a lot of noise, don't run in and out, don't, <laughs> don't cause any distractions. I don't think that's what... Paul was getting at I don't think that was the emphasis of it Paul was just trying to talk about our relationship what our relationship to the church would be 
and what our relationship with something or someone is generally formed around is our opinion of that something or that someone. If someone is honorable and they are honored, then our relationship to them is completely one thing, whereas if someone seems insignificant or not honorable, then our relationship would, of course, be predicated upon that. And so Paul is saying this is what you need to see the church as. It's not brick and mortar. It's not just some place to meet, but here's what the church is. And so he talked about the church being two things, and that is, number one, the household of God, and the second thing, he called it the pillar and the support of the truth. And so I want to take a few minutes and talk about those two things that Paul emphasized here. And so he describes the church or the body of Christ as God's household. Or in other words, we might call this God's house or perhaps more commonly in our vernacular, the house of God. So come on in to the house of God. Welcome into the house of God. But there is a certain posture that we should have when we go into anyone's house. We need to know where we are and what we're doing. If you're just in a barn, you can probably do one way and conduct yourself in one way. But if you're in, depending on what kind of house it is, and I think we could take that from all the way from a, from a pump shed to the White House and all points in between. But we would need to know how to conduct ourselves in relation to whose house we're in. You ever had anybody in your house that didn't really appreciate or have an appreciation of things? And you may be sitting too close to proximity to answer that too loud, but have you ever had anybody's children in your house that didn't have an appreciation for some of the things that you may have had out and didn't have parents that knew how to rein any of that in. And so we need to know that we're in the house of God. This is God's house. And so I think it's important how we conduct. I do think it's important how we act in church. But I think it's important how we feel about it to begin with. This is a reverent and a holy place. And so the church has an important part of God's plan and it also means that we ought to know how we're to live and function within that plan. So I do think we should honor the, the literal building. I think we should do that. And, and it is the house of God. It's where we would worship. And there are certain things that we wouldn't want to take place because this is a place that's dedicated to the house of the Lord. And, and all of that seems to go without saying. But we need to have a greater view of what it's not a building. The church, the body of Christ is the people. And there's where I'm driving tonight. The church, the body of Christ is not an optional thing because Jesus established this. This was his idea. He didn't, he didn't merely establish Christian living. He also established corporate faith. Amen. I think it's very important to understand that. So I want to say it again. That the Lord didn't just, he didn't just establish individual Christian living but the Lord himself established corporate faith. We are not in the body of Christ by accident. Amen. In Matthew chapter 16, we find an interesting scene being played out. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And then so he gets kind of a general answer, very broad very broad answer. He said, well, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias. Some say Jeremiah. Others say you're just one of the prophets. And so Jesus looks them with his steely eyes right in their eyes 
And he said, but who do you say? Let's cut the fodder. Let's cut the nonsense. And, And so who do men say? Well, here's what they think. But what do you think? What do you think? Thank God for Simon Peter. I know he's got a hair pin trigger, and I know that he does unpredictable things, but he does know how to speak up at the right times. And Simon answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus responds to that statement by saying this. He said to Simon Peter, Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. This is a moment of revelation. So when you're reading this passage of Scripture, don't just try to get through it to get through it. We need to understand the magnitude of this moment. Who do you say that I am? Amen, a moment of revelation, flesh. Amen, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen, Jesus said, you didn't come up with this on your own, but this has been a divine revelation. And then on the heels of that, something very significant happened. Jesus said, upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So when Peter declared that he believed that Jesus was the Son indeed, He was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus announced that upon that confession, upon this rock, what rock? Upon that confession, will I build my community of believers or will I build the body of Christ? And so the community of faith would be called the church. The New Testament assumes that people that are believers are going to be connected to a local church. It is within the context of church. It is within the context of the body of Christ that we live out our faith. Not islands doing our own thing. I'm going to really date myself here, but many years ago, I think as far back as the 70s, somebody wrote, I did know their name, somebody wrote a song, Me and Jesus Got Our Own Thing Going. We don't need anybody to tell us what it's all about. And it was a cute little, you know, the melody of the song was really cute, but the message of the song was deadly. Me and Jesus got our own thing going, and we don't need anybody to tell us what it's all about. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. Just me and Jesus. But that's nothing could be further from gospel truth than that. Amen. It's within the context of the church that we live out our faith. And so individual and, I believe, independent Christianity is nowhere to be found in Scripture because the church is not man's idea. What we're doing here tonight, this is God's idea. Amen. Now, I understand that man decided it would be on Wednesday somewhere along the way. Man probably decided somewhere along the way it would be on at 7.30, etc. But being together as a body of Christ was not man's idea. That was God's idea. And because Jesus instituted the church, we should know what it is and how we should function in it. Is that a fair statement? Amen. So then what is the church? And so how then do we define this body of Christ? The church, simply put, the body of Christ, simply put, is composed of people that have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are brought together by the will of God. Amen. To live together as the family of God. Additionally, we are to do the work of God in the power and in the spirit of God. Not just to come and sing, but we need to sing in the power and the spirit of God. We don't need to just come and minister the word, but we need to minister that word in the power and the spirit of God. Throughout, throughout history, 
many images have been used, even in Scripture, many images have been used to describe God's people. They have been referred to as a living temple or an army or a body or a fellowship, a family. All of those images depict different aspects of the nature of the church. However, I believe one of the most important, perhaps one of the most powerful images of the church is that of the family or a family. Amen. I'm glad to be a part of the family of God. It is a powerful, it is powerful because it focuses on the essential ingredient of relationship. The body of Christ brings us together in relationship. And a family bond is a very strong bond. It's a bond that focuses not only allegiance on allegiance and, and loyalty, but it's, it is a bond that goes beyond a price tag. It's a bond that goes beyond uh, uh, what we can measure in the, in the values of time. We are committed to one another because we are family. As brothers and as sisters in Christ, we have uh, experienced, I believe, an interconnectedness that can come not just by shaking hands and, and having some things in common. Amen. It's far beyond human experience. We are part of the family of God. Amen. Because the Spirit of the Lord has brought us together. The redemptive nature of the presence of God. We all have a past. Is that fair to say? I'm not just speaking to this congregation, but all of us have a past. And we are thankful for the redemptive nature of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we've all been redeemed. Now, how far the Lord brought you out, how far the Lord brought someone out, in many, in many respects is irrelevant. Because lost is lost. Amen. Sin is sin. And so if we're part of the family of God, then we are related to one another as God's family. Just like your physical family, you don't get to choose who your brothers and your sisters are. Amen. And, and some may view that as a negative thing, but that's not true. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were enjoying our annual camp meeting and standing on the platform more than once this past week. I just caught the sight of that tremendous crowd that it, people that have just gathered from all over the state of Florida and I was just looking at all in the especially a couple of times it's in the middle of the midst of our worship service I just viewed all the diversity that was represented in that one meeting all the different cultures and all the different ideas that were there all the different styles Forms of worship, responses to worship, everything that was there from one span of the tabernacle to the other, and all of that made up the whole. It was a wonderful sight to behold just a few members of my spiritual family. Amen. Some were blending in, and some were representing. <laughs> But it was my family. Just a snapshot of eternity. Just a snapshot of the body of Christ. Amen. I'm thankful for the body of Christ. The beautiful thing about it all was amid all the diversity that was in the building, we were able to come together as one. And we were singing in harmony as one. And we were responding to the word of God in harmony as the voice of one, the family of God. The very idea of that has powerful 
powerful implications. It has happened on more than one occasion, but one thing that stands out in my mind was a few years ago at one of our men's conferences, uh, there, was a, um, there was a project that was, that was presented to that group of men that were there on that, uh, that particular afternoon. I believe a Saturday morning is when it took place uh, about building a building overseas somewhere. I believe that the dollar amount needed was $26,000. And while that was just being talked about, I'm not talking about somebody with a cattle prod shaman or beating anybody over the head, but while somebody was just merely presenting, some of you are nodding your head, you know what I'm talking about, you were there. While they were just merely presenting the project, men got up and just started walking down to the front and laying money and IOUs and things of that nature on the platform. And in just a matter of mere moments, that building project was bought and paid for and even more money than was needed came in for that project. Are you hearing me? It's a tremendous thing to be a part of the body of Christ, the power of one. Somebody said, here is something that is needed and the family got up and said, we'll take care of that. (laughs) The family of God said, you know what? This is not anybody else's responsibility and we'll take care of that because we are family. Amen. That's a powerful thing to understand. It reminds us of how we should conduct ourselves in the household of God One of the purposes of the church, of course, I think ultimately is to share the love of God with everybody that we can. Now, the vernacular that we use is we call that ministry, ministry. And so I I want us all to be comfortable with that word ministry because ministry is not just what happens behind this pulpit when someone like myself is holding this microphone. Amen. When one member of the church is hurting, all the other members come to the aid of that one that's hurting. Amen. I saw something fascinating the other day, so just I want to share it. I didn't thought about this until now to share it, but uh, I do want to share it. As a few days ago, uh, just out here to the uh, outside over here, they were cutting some hay in the field. As a matter of fact, it was Chava. Chava was out there cutting some hay, and I was just sitting out there on my cart and watching him. And, and, and as you're familiar, those we call them cowbirds. I'm sure there's probably a little more technical name than that. But cowbirds were just... I would just gads. I don't even have any idea how many of them were all around. And that's a very common sight. They're catching grasshoppers and bugs and all of that kind of thing that stirred up with the mowing. And then all of a sudden, out of my left corner of my eye, I, I saw something. And, and these birds were going crazy. They were just circling all around. And, and then I looked on the ground, and a hawk had swooped down and got one of those birds. And so I, by the time I could figure out what was going on, the, all the, there's no, no birds on the ground. They're all just swarming overhead. And so I started driving over to take a closer look, and the hawk tried to take off, but the bird was, it was a, a little small hawk, and so it made a few little flaps and dropped the bird. And when it dropped that cowbird, it got his life back. <laughs> and it just took flight. And when it took flight, every one of those birds left that field. Every last one of them, that one bird flew up into the cloud of all those who had come to their aid. Now, they're not, I don't guess they have any defensive mechanism, so to speak, but they were there. They were all rallying, and when that bird got loose, they all decided they'd had enough grasshoppers for the day. <laughs> I eventually left, and Chava was just, he was just on his own. He's just out there mowing by himself, no 
No one to keep him company. Now I thought, I'm serious. You can feel sorry for me and pray later. Don't say, you can say blessing Jesus. Just don't say it out loud. But I thought, what a great analogy. I'm, I'm, we're, they just were doing everything, anything they could do to create a diversion. Somehow it got my attention. It worked. It got my attention. I drove over the bird somewhere alive tonight, hopefully. And so when the church, we call that ministry. And so when someone is hurting, we, we come to their aid. We do what we can. Another purpose of the church is to equip God's people. We call that discipleship. In other words, we're going to bring one another to a place of maturity. When someone needs encouragement or admonition, we're going to be there to provide that. Amen. We should be. These are not things that are done by programs. What I'm talking about are things that are done by people. Warm-blooded, air-breathing people, not a program. Amen. Christian ministry and discipleship are they're relationship-oriented. You've got to get involved in the lives of other people if ministry and discipleship is going to take place. We can't just blow in here like this is Target. We can't just blow in here like this is Walmart, get what we need, and we won't, we won't see or hear from you again until you need something else again. That's not what the church, that's not what the body of Christ is all about. We can't just show up and get a gallon of milk and a loaf of bread, and we won't be back until we need milk and bread again. But the church, the body of Christ, is ministry and discipleship, and that is relationship-oriented. Now, for the entire month of July in our Sunday morning service, our first service, we have been talking about discipleship. But discipleship can only take place within the context of community. Amen. That's why involvement is not an option. And so if you're not involved in one of the ministries of the church, can I admonish you tonight? Get involved. Get involved because you've got to be involved in the church. Amen. Church is not what we do at 10 o'clock on Sunday. Church is not what we're doing at 7.30 on Wednesday night. We're here in a house of worship, and I don't want to minimize our corporate time together, but when we are really being the body of Christ, it's when we are ministering to one another. Amen. And so God puts us together with people. Some of them fit in our comfort zone and some of them don't. And God knows what he's doing. And so we can't just pick and choose. We've got to learn how to tolerate. Because that thing you're calling a thorn may be just wearing you down and that little knocking off some rough edges that we need knocked off. Amen? And so when, when we, I'll just move on from there. Amen? We need them. Furthermore, what if we don't need them? They may need us. Amen? So we may not always think that, but I, I promise you that God knows exactly what we need, and he knows who we need. Amen? We, you need what I have in God, and I need what you have in God. And when we become involved with one another, then the whole church as a body is lifted up. And unless we see the church as the household of God, we're not seeing the church biblically. This is not a club. This is not just where we come and socialize, although we do all of that. But this is not, that is not the emphasis of the church. If we never have another chicken dinner together, 
if we never have another fish fry together, if we never have another ladies luncheon or another youth outing or young men's fellowship or a hugs, if we never have any of those things, we have got to have the corporate body of Christ. I need you and you need me. Amen. Jesus called this life abundant life, but abundant life is not abundant unless you can share it. I want to move to the second uh the second portion of what Paul was talking about, perhaps not take as long on this second point or maybe longer, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but he, he called the church the pillar of the truth, pillar of truth. So Paul speaks of the church not only as the household of God, but he called it the pillar and support of the truth, the pillar and support of the truth. In other words, the church is a place where truth can be discovered and there's something special about the context of community in coming to know the truth. I'm thankful for the church because I know what I know in large part due to the church. I just felt especially impressed this morning in prayer to thank the Lord for those individual hands that were molding me and shaping me when I was a young man. They're, most of them are already dead and gone. Sunday school teachers, I want, you to, I want to thank you, Lord, for in them instilling something in my heart that when I was, when I was in, in some turbulent teen years, they had put something in me that was keeping my foot on a sure foundation. David said, my foot standeth in an even place. And so today, Lord, I just want to thank you for everybody that helped lay a rock in the footing and kept where I was standing in an even place. I thank you for those. Amen. I'm thankful for that. And so I know what I know. I'm thankful for personal study, thankful for personal revelation. But I'm going to tell you that my formative years, just like many of you, amen, my formative years are what they are because somebody was investing and somebody was teaching. Amen. Somebody was instructing and somebody was correcting. There's something about the context of the community in coming to know the truth. Something about the community of the church that not only teaches the truth, but there's something about the community of the church that safeguards the truth. Because any one of us can go astray. That's why we need people in our life that have veto power. We don't need to be some island out here all alone we're not even our wives or our husbands. Nobody can say, hey, hey, hey. Somebody needs to be able to say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Amen. And so I'm thankful for the community of the church because we all can drift. And I'm thankful for the safeguard that, that the church in the body of Christ provides. And as individuals, we, we can magnify, if we're not careful, one aspect of, a, of the truth above another. However, within the aspect of the community of faith, we are brought back into balance. Amen. There's a tendency. My wife says that I tend to drive wherever I'm looking. That's just what she says. She's not here to amen that this evening. But um, if you won't tell her, I'm going to agree with her in her absence. Sometimes we're riding down the road. She said, don't look. I'm just going to describe it to you. Because <laughs> she just wants to drive past it, not us drive up to it at a high rate of speed. Because we have a tendency to drift where we're looking. 
And if we get our eyes off the, on the wrong thing, we can drift toward the wrong thing. But you see, the church, the body of Christ, it's not just a place to come. These are not just people. To, they're cool people to hang out with. They're not just encouraging people, but there are people that help safeguard the truth in my life. Amen. I, 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 I'm held to a standard. I'm held to a, 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 some measure of accountability because I'm, I'm a part of the body of Christ. Amen. There's a marked contrast to the current pop psychology that passes for truth in our age. Every day, every day around the world, millions of people sit at the feet of popular talk show hosts. And, and of course, that's a long list. It could go many, many different directions. But, and and they're, that's where they're seeking their direction. They're trying, to, they're trying to find this person or that person to find out how they should live their lives, how they should conduct themselves, how should we handle this situation or that situation. I'm telling you, it plays out times a million and million, million every day, and not just in America, but around the world. Amen. <laughs> I'm trying hard not to call names because I'll, I'll just get on something that shouldn't be on. But I'm just telling you that if you listen closely, you're going to hear one common theme. And that common theme is just anything goes. If it feels good to you, if, if, if it suits your fancy, that just whatever, just whatever. Amen. This culture of, of that belief is in the church in the church at large, you believe whatever you believe, you believe whatever you're going to believe, and somehow, I'm not being ugly tonight, but I'm going to tell you, I've got a responsibility when I stand behind this desk. Amen. We are hearing this all in our world. You do what you want to do. You do what you want to do. You believe what you want to believe. You believe what you want to believe. And somehow we are mystically all just going to be at the same place in the end. And I'm going to tell you, nobody's going to be in hell. Can I say you this evening that we've got to shake ourselves from this untoward generation. Amen. I need you and you need me. We need the body of Christ that is in context with this word of God and say, God, let this be the fence on this side of the road and let this be the fence on this side of the road. Amen. Because there is a heaven to gain and there is, if there is a heaven to gain, there is a hell to shun. Amen. And so we need to, to, to understand the value, the value of somebody challenging our bad thoughts. Amen. We need somebody to challenge ideas that don't line up with the word of God. Amen. Lord, help us today. As a matter, we're living in an hour where millions of dollars are spent every day to just trivialize the word of God. Amen. I'm preaching and I'm teaching to people tonight that I understand, grew up believing this is the infallible truth of the word of God. And as someone said recently, that years ago when you were teaching people about the word of God, if you could just point it out in scripture, that was enough. Because people had a fundamental belief that this was true. But this that I hold in my hand is under attack like never before and so now the foundation has been is being shaken the foundation the core the root is being plucked away that we're not even sure that the bible is true we're not even sure that that the word of god is true but oh hear me tonight amen i thank him for the word the scripture says heaven and earth shall pass away 
But this that I'm holding in my hand, I'm not talking about this leather-bound book and paper pages, but I'm talking about the Word of God is going to stand forever and ever and ever and ever. It is from this holy book that I hold in my hand tonight that we are going to be judged in eternity. I've got to figure out how to get this right. Amen. I'm going to, I'm going to conclude my remarks here this evening if our musicians want to come. But if we're looking for the truth we should be turning ourselves toward the church. And that is why there is such a pull to get people's attention away from the church. I need to turn toward him and his word. You see, the, the big difference between the gathering of God's people and the gathering of a studio audience is the presence of God. You can't mimic what we've been feeling in this house since the first note. In the church, we are led by the Spirit of God, and God is confirming His Word. God is assuring us His hand is upon us. We're not merely expressing our opinions. This evening, I didn't know that Brother Chris Osborne was going to open the service with reading some scriptures, but I believe that I felt in my heart a confirmation of some things. Amen. God, in the context of the body coming together within the first few moments of us being here, the Spirit of the Lord just said, I want to settle some things right here in your heart. Amen. We're not just here to express our opinions. We didn't gather this evening to get more opinions. We gathered, we gathered to get a more clear view of the truth. Let me push some things out of the way and Help clean, cleanse, and wipe and clean the lens. For everybody here that wears glasses, you certainly understand this illustration. But sometimes you can be very busy throughout the day, and and after a while, you don't even realize how cloudy the lens is. Amen. And then you take those off and you clean them, and you go, wow, wow, wow. And we ask ourselves sometimes, when did that happen? It wasn't a moment. Unless something extraordinary happened. It wasn't a moment. It was just a collection of things here. We got exposed to a little bit of things, something this morning, and after a while, something else, and after a while, something else. And it was just a collection of things. And after a while, we just need the Spirit of God to just come in and wipe everything away. And let me behold the beauty and the holiness of God again in purity. And that's what we receive in the church. In part, we receive substantially more than that. Within the context of the church, God not only confirms his truth to us, but then he teaches us how to apply that truth to our lives. And as I mentioned earlier, that is called discipleship. And only in the context of accountability... Can the church really have success in discipleship? We have to have ourselves accountable. I, I don't mean to meander, but as long as I've been around, I can just, um, as, even as a young man, I can remember meeting people that, and I don't want you to please don't take this out of context. But I can just remember meeting people that just had church at home. 
I'm not just talking about one person, but you just find pockets of that. And today I am 57 years old and there are people that still have just that same philosophy. We're just going to do it right here by ourselves. And oh, how you have robbed yourself. One thing I think that is so far from biblical. That's the main thing. But all that we have robbed ourselves. Can you think for a moment, I don't want your mind to drift too far, but could you possibly think between now and midnight of all the people that you have in your life just because of the body of Christ? All the people you've met, all the people you know, it all, it all came flying in on the wings of the body of Christ. Connected, 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 connected. Just recently, my wife and I made some just tremendous friends, people that we have admired for, for years from a distance and had no idea that our lives and our paths would cross. And so one day we were talking about that, very humbled by by their friendship and their hand of extension to us. And we said, this, this was a gift the church brought us. This was part of the body of Christ right here. We wouldn't know them had it not been for the body. Amen. So we need that accountability. We need somebody in our life that can that we can be involved in their life and they're involved in our lives because we must be involved if we're going to hold one another accountable to the truth. Amen? I mean, it's, it's just some, for whatever reason, you wake up with some just bum-fuzzled idea about something tomorrow. You need somebody in your life that can say, hey, <laughs> that's not in Scripture. Furthermore, I've got Scripture against that. And, and somebody that can just rein us back in because we're all just human. I know we, our minds go to extremes and we find people that go way out into extremes and we think, well, I'm not there. But you see, they didn't get extreme overnight. It was just drifting a little, just drifting a little, drifting a little. Amen, let's stand, if we will. The church provides us with an environment where we can be challenged to us just for the knowledge sake. Truth is given to us so that we can live that truth. Amen. So we've got to be involved and we've got to be accountable and church is not an option. It is a very fundamental and foundational way of life. Amen. We have to remember this, that the church is composed of people from all different kind of places and backgrounds. And, and we've been brought together by the will of God to live in the family of God. And we do so by the Spirit of God. And we do it for the glory of God. Amen. <laughs> The church is not an optional buffet line. I'll take this, won't take that. We can't pick and choose what based on what our appetite is. God knows what we need. And so that very person or that very situation may be a part of my life because God is working something either out of me or into me. And I will repeating myself here, but even if that person, you don't need that person, that's not true. But even if you don't need that person, that person may need you. I'm thankful for the family of God. I'm glad somebody tolerated me. Amen. I'm really thankful. I'm, I'm really thankful that God placed people in my life that tolerated me. I'm glad somebody took a chance because of that. I am where I am. You are where you are. Amen. Let's magnify the Lord.
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.